podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. I'm Andy Gibbs and welcome once more to Off The Wall, the podcast here on Anfield Index. We like to give you a small flavour of some of the content available from the paywall side of the channel over at Anfield Index Pro. Now, yesterday I brought you part one of the Ronnie Whelan story and we're going to give you part two, obviously, today. And in recent weeks, we've been very fortunate during this uh, coronavirus lockdown to uh, be able to bring you interviews that Trev Downey has conducted with Liverpool legends of the past. And Two-part interviews are already there. You can go and listen to them with Jan Mulby, Paul Walsh, Mark Lawrenson, John Aldridge, John Walk, David Fairclough, and uh, subscribers to AI Pro are also getting their, their uh, fix of uh, content from players of the past. There's two-part interviews that we've recorded since lockdown with Steve McMahon, Jason McAteer, and Phil Thompson. Anfield Index Pro is still full of content. We're trying to bring people around the show a day, uh, mainly reminiscence pieces, but also some up-to-date stuff on football returning and uh, some comedy value in there for everyone as well. We're very fortunate that the likes of Jan Mulby joins us every week for his show, and it's given him a real chance to uh, to share some of the stories from the club. Some absolutely brilliant stories about some of the illustrious players, but some of the ones are, are probably not as revered. There's some great stories in, in recent weeks about the likes of David Speedy, Esteban Cosma, Mike Hooper, some of the names that you wouldn't normally come straight to the tongue when you're discussing the the Golden Age, but they're all in there, and Jan has some some great memories to share as well. Obviously, we also have a monthly show with Sakeni Dalglish. It's called The King and AI, and I'm very lucky to be the host of that show, and uh, Hopefully Kenny's on the mend really soon and we can get him back on the back on the channel for uh, for the next episode of that with a, with a guest or two along the way. So we'll, we'll hopefully bring you that sort of stuff as well uh, in the coming weeks. Now, uh, to enjoy all the fantastic content from AI Pro, you can do so just by heading to AnfieldIndexPro.com and you can get 30 days free uh, right now rather than the usual seven days. 30 days absolutely free where you can listen to the entire back catalogue of everything that's been on Anfield Index Pro. And there is zero obligation to continue after the 30-day trial. You can cancel at any point and you will not be charged a single penny. If you decide to stick around, then of course we hope you will, then the cost is only £3.49 per month or £39.99 per year. So as I said at the start, uh, Ronnie Whelan's story, part two, and in this episode, Trev speaks to Ronnie about the rebuilding of Liverpool in the late 1980s under uh, Kenny Dalglish. Ronnie also talks about that great side and uh, the similarities between them and how Jurgen Klopp's uh, Liverpool line up today. There's also some fantastic stories about the trophies won and lost in that era, obviously culminating in that last league title to come to Anfield back in 1990. The conversation continues with a look at how injury impaired Ronnie's remaining years at the club and that painful and somewhat shabby way in which his uh, Liverpool days ended. There's also some very entertaining discussion about Ronnie's time in that successful Republic of Ireland side as well. So, uh, We'd love to hear your feedback. As I always say, uh, the best place to do so is on our Discord community, anfieldindex.com forward slash Discord. Completely free to join and some great healthy debate with fellow Reds all around the world there. We are on the usual socials as well. Facebook, just search for Anfield Index or on Twitter. You can find us at Anfield Index or at Anfield Index Pro. So let's do it. Ronnie Whelan in the company of Trev Downey for the interview part two. 
Hello and welcome back to the concluding part of the interview with Trev Downey, for which we are delighted here on AI Pro to be joined by Liverpool and Republic of Ireland legend Ronnie Whelan. In part one, Ronnie spoke to us about his early days, about his move to Liverpool, about all those trophies that he won. Listen on now as the conversation continues. Ronnie, we finished the first part talking about the 85-86 campaign and the uh, the double winning the double winning season that that was and and it came down Lucia's sort of uh, movement into management the the following campaign and seemed to be a pattern was a a, a trophyless one um you know just as the previous one had been uh, uh, before the double and there was that kind of on off thing throughout the 80s the, the certainly the latter half of it um what was you, do you have any specific memories of that a six a seven campaign i know there was a, a there was a league cup final uh, defeat to arsenal which sticks in my memory because i wasn't used to us losing things mm. uh, i found that particularly difficult to spawny charlie nicholas goals if i recall correctly i have to i, I never give him the second one because it went in off me so i just say it was an <laughs> on goal from me got another excellent. one at wembley <laughs> excellent yeah yeah you claim that one yeah. i mean it was, it was a pretty i don't know i mean you you reckon in the previous season that you know the team wasn't clicking and playing the football it was no. it, it, was the, was the football better in 86, 87 and, uh, in terms of, uh, you know, performances and the standard that you were setting? Um, Trev, honestly, I can't, I can't remember that well, the 86, 87 season. I think you're not alone I, like I do, that. I do, I do, I know, yeah. Maybe it's just something I've tried to forget. Now you've just reminded me of it. Um, uh, but, no, I don't remember an awful lot about it. I do remember the League Cup final because I played left back. Kenny played me left back because, um, I don't know, somebody was injured. I think Jim, I might be in Jim Begum, was injured. Um, but other than that, it, it, it can't, it obviously wasn't a, a great campaign because we didn't win anything. Um, and maybe it was the wake up call that we, we all needed and, and, and the manager and the club and everybody else. Um, this is not, this is not right. We need personnel. We need to change things and we need to change it quickly if we're going to get back to winning ways again. But I, I, I really, really, don't remember much at all about that season. I think that's a great shout about a wake up call because it it does pale into sort of. Um, what uh, happened the next few years was unbelievable. But that's it because 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 the next team that 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 that's formed is so brilliant. Um, because it's probably the best Liverpool side I've ever seen who who played the next campaign. Uh, you you, you kind of sweep over a six eighty seven, but I think I think you've you've hit the nail on the head there. I think it was probably a bit of a a bit of a, a trumpet call to here. Listen, let's get this sorted out. The things that Hanson you were saying Hanson was worried about were still there. And and, uh, and we, 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 we did get a whole new shiny load of arrivals. We had Barnes and uh, Beardsley and Aldridge all arriving. You know, Trevor, it, doesn't, it doesn't take you long to see people. Uh, it doesn't take you long to see good or bad when you see people, new players coming into the club. If they're bad, you go, Whoa, I don't know where he's got him from. He's not good. But when you got uh, Aldo, Ray, Barnsley, Beardsley coming in, and now you start to think, hang on, yeah. This, this could be okay again. These are players that can play knowledge, um, football knowledge. They can go past people. They can see passes. They can do things. Um, you notice it very, very early. And it was, it was like, yeah, it was, it was, this is better than what we had last season. It must have been quite a buzz as well, as you say, as a fellow who's won things and to see if, if you felt it was going stale, to see, as you say, Ray Houghton coming in, who's like a ready-made step into the first team player and the other three that we've mentioned as well who could do the same. That's a whole new team, really. Yeah, you, and you, got, sorry, you, you've got to give Doug Leach and the club an awful lot of credit. You know, he, he spotted it. He, he, he 
he's gone a year thinking this will be all right, and then he's realised, hang on, we're we're well off the pace here. But then he builds a team. Bob Paisley was great at building teams. He'd get players in, and he, he, they wouldn't be the greatest player, but he'd fit them into a shape, into how he wanted to play. Ray Kennedy comes from Arsenal, won the double with Arsenal, centre forward, scored goals. Bob Paisley puts him on the left side of midfield. Now Kenny decides, I need a scorer. Rush is going to go to to, to Italy. I need a goal scorer. I'll, he goes and finds John Aldridge, who was scoring goals with Oxford. Um, and now I need somebody, I need people to, to make chances, because if you make chances for him, he'll score goals. And then he, he knits Barnes and, and Ray and, and Beardsley and around them. Um, then he gets a solid midfield and then let them go and attack. And then we started, just things started opening up and then the team became a very, very good team. Yeah, and the the football that it plays is like again. I I think the uh, occasionally we see moments with this current setup that remind me a little bit of you guys. Um, it was such fluid football. I mean, but before that, y- y- your your role in the team changes. You're kind of yeah. more central, right? Um, that's yeah, when I started loving it again. Is it? That's interesting. Why is that? Why is that? Because did you feel like you were more? I felt involved? I had more to give than standing on the left side of midfield. Ah, okay, okay. Um, I think I was getting to an age then where I was thinking, oh, I'm I'm only holding the position here. You know, when I was doing a, a 20, 21, 22, it's like, great, I'm I'm full of energy. I can get in the box, I can do that, but I've got to go sit on the left side of midfield. Okay, no problem. But now I, and, and probably with Barnsley coming as well. You know, I don't know, I'm, Barnsley's going to play left side. So now it's a case of where am I going to go? Does Kev Mack, does Steve, Steve McMahon and Jan Mulby all, playing centre midfield, Spackman was coming in, and it's like, well, I'm coming from the left, and then Kenny decided to put me there as the anchor in the midfield, more or less what would, would be now. Um, and I, I I loved my football, really, really loved it, that period for three or four years. Um, I was just involved in everything, you know, I, I was defending, attacking, tackling, shouting, screaming, I was just, I was just loving it all again. And playing your way eventually into being what you were, even when you weren't, which is the club captain. I mean, as you say, the involvement level um, and, and probably your enjoyment in the game is going up. But it's probably easy enough to enjoy when you're in the middle of a team that's playing so yeah, bloody yeah, well. Isn't it? Yeah, that's you probably know? why the 86, 87 doesn't resonate with me at all. Yeah. Because I, I can only imagine that I hated every minute of it because we weren't winning. I hated losing. Um, then once you start winning again, you, you start you start remembering a bit better. What What's striking to me as we've chatted our way through your career so far is the, the the level of humility in you about you know your status within the team and whether that was forced on you by as you say people some people not being so, quite so appreciative or or just in you all the time. Just I, a, I, as, I, do, I honestly think it was it was people outside of the football pitch they didn't appreciate, but I think whoever I played with, I've noticed they have appreciated what I did. In in a, in the football team, and they would have had no qualms with me being captain. They knew what I was to the football team players. Always knew that that I was sort of integral to the team itself. Sure, absolutely. But I guess what I was driving at was, whereas you're ab- absolutely people know your worth. In, 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 the people who matter know your worth. The, the the fans who can see the game, the the the, the players around you, your managers. But what I'm talking about is, what does that do to your head? Like I was wondering, like you met, you listed off the list of candidates there for central midfield in that year. Some very impressive footballers. Did you st- did you have any sort of insecurity in you at that stage that Kenny wouldn't see you as a natural in the midfield in 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 the centre? I mean, were you were you starting to wonder? I'm, I don't. Know 
know what's going to happen here with all these new recruits and with the way things are going to be set up or did you expect would you just have expected to be part of the setup um yeah at that stage i was expecting yeah yeah um i i, I expected to be somewhere in the team yeah um uh, and mainly because it, it didn't give Barnsley any given right to be on the left side of midfield just because he'd signed him. You know, I, I, if Barnsley hadn't been playing well, I probably would have stayed left side midfield, but Barnsley was Barnsley, was magnificent. Um, and then Kenny decided to, probably as the whole thing of, of the, a little bit older, um, being at the club longer than most of them that were in the team, that I could be the one that will sit there and, and sort of knit things together and try and keep things going from the centre of midfield. From from a technical point of view, Ronnie, there's something I wanted to ask you. Kind of, uh, it's uh, our, our our friend Gags, who's who's uh, listening intently in the background there, producing this show, is involved in collecting stats, pressing stats um, for Anfield Index, and it's a uh, you know a very uh, kind of a unique thing that he's 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 got off the ground, and it's quite quite gives a nice insight into uh, a team's dominance in a game and a team's efforts uh, that they get that are put in. But it's a quite a specific thing, and. I mean, you know, we were chatting and he was chatting about how, you know, he'd seen lots of videos of you winning the ball back deep and starting off attacks after winning the ball. You know, I mean, it's basically, there's nothing new under the sun, let's be honest, right? No, no. So, so. It was reinvented I mean, in 92 football, wasn't it? 100%. So, I mean, but, but, you know, so it's really obvious when watching that team, watching you doing it, watching you, watching you, watching uh, your, your, your colleagues doing it. Was it, was that a thing that you spoke about in training? The idea of whatever you call it, closing down, whatever the terminology was, was that a kind of thing, right? If we, when we're not in possession, let's harry and ha- uh, hassle them. I know Ian Rush is famous for it, for example. Yeah, we um that was that was done way back before I was ever at the football club. Um, it was done in the late seventies, probably the early seventies, but I haven't seen enough of the the football back then to to know. But we did it a lot in training, um, and it, it's a case of first man go, as would be Rushy usually on the pitch. Once Rushy goes, then everybody's got to go from behind him. And it was always said that if you don't win the first one. And you don't win the second one, you don't win the third one, you probably win the fourth one, but we'll get it back quickly. Um, and we did it a lot in training. Ronnie Moran and Joe Fagan would be screaming, go, as in, and, but I, you're thinking to yourself, well, if I go, he's just going to pass the ball past me. I'm going to be out again. But they didn't. They just went, okay, go. And this is your gegging, pressing or whatever. We did this way back then, but it was something that, um, it was something that was done in training an awful lot of times. Um, <laughs> get the ball back quickly and then if you go back to the early 80s the players we had then and the, then the, the late 80s as well when you got players like that if you get the ball back quickly high up the pitch they're gonna hurt you hurt you badly yeah 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 I, but but it's, it's interesting you say that because like i say and we both agree there's, no, there's nothing new and and of course people can oftentimes sort of uh get a little bit ex- overexcited about about innovation in the modern game when you know the, a lot of stuff has been here before but it is it wasn't every side that did it. an awful lot of teams would just sit off and not even consider putting in a foot in until the, the central midfield area or or even deeper i mean did it was it was obviously part of a Liverpool philosophy, as you say. You, it was there when you came into the club. Uh, do you do, do you remember that kind of serving you particularly well? I remember th- that's th- an awful lot of the goals that season for me when I remember them. And you watch them again in highlights. They're kind of characterised by people not giving up, people getting a foot in, and then a move kicks off. You know. Yeah. We wanted to get the ball back at any stage. You know, it didn't. 
really matter. It was if we didn't have the ball, we were going to close close people down and close them quickly because we knew when we had the ball, we were able we will have it for a long period. Then they're not going to get it off us, and then we will create something. But I think it was a lot more um, forward thinking in those days. If you want it back, you give it. You get it forward as quickly as possible. It, but at that stage, Beardsley years before Kenny, you get it into the feet and you get people running from midfield. Um, they do it well at Liverpool now, but sometimes, you know, just that stale back across the back four. I think when, when we played, it was more direct. When we got it back, we had to look forward. We had to get forward as quickly as possible. It wasn't, we didn't have an awful lot of pass across the pitch. Um, we did now and again, but it was just to try and drag people out of position. I'd probably like to, to try now. But then the crowd back then didn't want you passing across the back all the time, so the crowd became a little bit more um, agitated and animated, and they won't get a forward attack, 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 and it just came onto the pitch then that we we had we had to go and go forward more than we were. I recall before the pass back rule changed, um, watching uh, Alan Hansen basically taking the Mickey and him and and, and Grobler passing over and back, and it was it was it was to draw people on, wasn't it? You know. Uh, yeah, but it was also to waste time. We learned that playing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We learned that playing in in in, in Europe. Yeah. You know, you go a goal down against the Italians or the Spanish, and they're going to stand there passing the back to the goalkeeper for forty five minutes, and you're not going to get a ball off them. Yeah. And there's sometimes that that we did that. When it when it was when it was necessary in a game to slow it down or whatever, Laura where jockey would drop back off, Bruce would roll it out, they'd touch it back to him, he'd knock it out to him, nothing. But if nobody wanted to close down, well, what was the, you know, the, the, if they closed us down, then we could go play. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I, I don't want to take it for granted and make an assumption, but I, 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 if I was a gambling man, I'd say that you, you felt that was probably the best side you ever played in. Would that be right or? Or not? Um, no, I go. I'm going with the early '80s one as the best. This was the this the late '80s was the most flair. The the early '80s was hard to beat. Phil Neal, Phil Thompson, Alan Hansen, as soon as Doug Leash, you know, players at the top of the level have won European cups. Um, the 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 Barnes Beardsley and all this team. There was a, a lot more flair. Um, you look all around the pitch. Steve Nichol could. Pop up with a goal. I could pop up with a goal. There was a goal could come from so many places on the pitch. Um, that, as I said, the, the most flair was the late eighties, but the, I feel the best team was the early eighties. Okay, that's 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 an interesting show. I suppose. I think the early eighties team would beat the late eighties. Do you? Do you? Okay. Okay. Okay, well, that's 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 that. Not not an awful lot of people say that. It's, it's actually brilliant to hear that. I have a theory that basically because television coverage was slowly improving, 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 building towards what you mentioned early on, the the sort of the reinvention of football and the commas. I think people saw more of that that late '80s team, and um, it was probably the excitement hmm. of all the new arrivals. But yeah, that's that's really that's, that's an interesting thing. I want I want to move sideways out of this because I'd be a very 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 silly man if I didn't, as an Irishman, mention the. Uh, the international career and and your involvement there i mean uh you know whatever about liverpool doing well i was i was such a lucky young fellow my my you know liverpool were doing well ireland were doing well even my 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 county and ga were winning titles left right and center this is a great time to be to be to be who's uh, your county 
I'm a meat man. I'm a meat man. So we were winning all our games. No, I'm right not. Our <laughs> county now. That's a smug dub talking. That's yeah, a smug yeah. dub talking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jackie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're, we're, yeah, probably best move on from that before I say something yeah. I regret. But come here, listen, I wanted to talk to you about that, about those Ireland days. I mean, your your debut is as far back as 81 um, against Czechoslovakia. But you're involved in some of the best moments again for for irish fans i i I want i want to just you 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 take me through this whatever you want to do but uh the euro 88 is a highlight for for a huge amount of people in this country and i don't know even if you guys realized at the time what euro 88 and italian 90 did for this country i think it's actually a seismic change people started to think of themselves as 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 you know uh other than just irish the european that we could achieve stuff it had a massive effect right yeah i know yeah well i, I if people now me and ray happen work for rta back in or television back in ireland and when we are on the show together we'll usually go and have a pint but honestly people are still buying us drinks from 1988 you and, and, sh- and they'd be they'd be like 25 year old lad come up and go we want to buy you a pint 88 we we know all about it we're like, not that they were there and weren't even born but they yeah. still buy a drink for 88 everybody talks about 88 <laughs> and probably better was 90 the, the best performance was probably 90 when yeah they got I to agree. quarterfinals yeah. but 88 was the start of it um we'd never been to a, a major championship um we'd, we'd lucky to get there because of scotland winning an away game but we were there um what a um, I, I'd gone through the whole lot. I'd won, you know, you start thinking as you go along your career, you, you want to play professional football, you want to win something, you win League Cup, you win a league, then you go and get an FA Cup, then you get a European Cup, and then you, you, you want to be fulfilled internationally. What do we do? European Championships, we want to qualify for something. And then it was, it was just, it was an amazing time for the players as well. It was, we, we could get away with anything in Dublin at that time. The, the players, when they were over, but it was, it was just great, great fun. And, and you know, you, it was obviously the Jack Charles. There was a great squad of players as well. You know, the, the, the early 80s and the late 80s, the squads at Liverpool were just, you could go, for, you know, when you say you could go for a pint with any one of them, and it wouldn't yeah. matter. There was nobody that you didn't like or didn't want to go for a pint with. Yeah. But this Ireland squad was just off the scale. This was just camaraderie the players who weren't playing okay they're always disappointed but they wanted to be there they wanted to be part of it and it was just it was just a great squad of players that we had together and jack jack was a big influence on that bit of it on on the on the on the the atmosphere but within yeah, the yeah, yeah okay he okay treated, yeah. He, he did he treated us like adults but if you step out of line you're going to be in trouble but we knew that we weren't too bad we you know we'd get in at five in the morning we didn't leave it later than that <laughs> how disciplined of you <laughs> training at nine it used to be so funny and that was you go to the european championship <laughs> but see this is this is what kills me about it because as you say it was a great bunch of lads lovely atmosphere all the rest of it yeah, people get carried away with that aspect of thing but they these were uh, ireland will never have a collection of footballers like that again on a field ever it, it was and sorry to cut across you two of the cool. best players Mark Lawrence and Liam Brady, who would have got in any team, yeah. got injured before the '88 Euros. Yeah. yeah, it was there was a, a that a, you go through the, the the players. They were all playing for Man United or Celtic, Liverpool. There was so many um, there was so many good good players in that squad in '88. 
this is kind of what I'm driving at. When you get to the European Championships, it's 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 a, a tiny little tournament by comparison with the big sprawling thing it is now. It's yeah. just like the the, the, the winners. Yeah, the, the winners of all the groups or whatever. And you know, there's there's you beat England one 0 That just that's just you know. Ray Houghton, <laughs> Stuttgart, legendary stuff. As you say, the man's the man's got points for life. Um, yeah. but 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 it's the it's the next game that I wanted to just focus on with you because you scored a goal that I have actually I think I still might be injured from all the times I tried <laughs> to recreate it in my back garden and on various football pitches. Yeah. I'd be getting lads to chip balls up to me and I'd be trying my best. What I never I never tried it again, that's for sure. <laughs> it's never gonna come off again. What a spectacular scissors kick that was against the USSR. I assume you never get tired of looking at it. It's, it's, it, you know, and it leaves Ireland set with a 1-0 win over England, a draw with Russia, and then the, 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 the game against the Netherlands in the final group match. You must have been thinking, here, something could really happen here. Yeah, we, we, we went with that impression. Trevi, you know, we knew we were playing England first game. We knew all the England players because we played against them week in, week out. Amongst the players, we didn't really hold, well, it's probably a bit of fear, but not that we didn't. We never at any time thought that these are too good for us and we won't be able to do anything against them. This was 50-50. This is, we've got a chance. And then uh, Ray scored and it just sets, sets it alight then. Now it's like we're, we're part of this. People know who we are. Um, we're not here just to, to make the numbers up. We're going to try and do as, as good as we can. And then against Russia, probably played some of the greatest football ever from any Ireland team. But mm. people keep asking, well, why did you stop doing what Jack said? You know, Jack was always put it in the corner, put him under pressure. That night or that afternoon, it was just something happened that we they, they dropped off or something and we felt we had a little bit more space to play football. And when... We mentioned the players we had, and once we were given space to play, if you give space to good players, you're going to be in trouble. And um, we played really, really well, capped off by me shinner, as people keep calling it, still to this day. <laughs> um, and, yeah, we had the big game against Ho- Holland. I think we'd run our steam against Holland then. It was... Um, we. It's, it's Jack was pressing football for 90 minutes, put in the corner, push up the pitch, put them under pressure. And we did that against England. And then we did it again against Russia. Two big performances. And we just didn't have enough energy to carry it through against the Dutch in the end. It did take a spawny goal to beat you. Yeah, it was, wasn't it? Yeah, Yeah, a little spinny header. I'll never forget the bloody thing. Mm. I mean, you you, you mentioned how it was probably more impressive football in in Italia 90. Um, what's, what's What's your take on that particular tournament? Uh, these are things I'd rather forget. Yeah, um, yeah. I got I got injured before it. Um, I broke my foot playing against Arsenal. I think that was um, ninety. And um, then we were doing shooting practice. I was getting back fit after my broken foot when we were out in Italy doing shooting practice, and I done my thigh. I struck a ball, and then I just felt this ping in my thigh. So then I was. Um, now trying to be fit to, to play the first game. Uh, Jack didn't think I was fit for the first game. I, fair enough. Drew with England. Then I was uh, Egypt. I think a lot of Irish pundits remember the Egypt game or Irish uh, people watching on television because the legend that is Eamon Dunphy lashed the pen across the room <laughs> yeah. because because Jack wouldn't play me 
he wasn't happy. Yeah, yeah. So um, now my tournament yeah. was it wasn't what I wanted it to be. You know, you 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 know done the Euros, I've won the league, I've won the cup, all that, and I wanted to play in a World Cup. I did get twenty minutes, but that was about it for me in that World Cup, and that was that was really disappointing for me. Yeah, the the overall picture, I suppose, when you look back, um, you know, some people, Ronnie, like you know, and again, this is this isn't to be blown smoke, but some people just are kind of natural winners, and things come along, uh, and they their their talents happen to suit a given situation, and I mean, your 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 career is just littered with medals, and 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 even just the the one time that Ireland are so. Um, Wonderful uh, in terms of being exciting and achieving things. You're bang in the middle of it again. Mm. I mean, this is this is uh, uh, whatever disappointment you felt at not being part of, of 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 as much a part of the ninety as you as as you would have liked. It's still a, an ongoing, long, long period of success for Ireland that yeah. you were playing in. Um, who uh, who in in that setup? We mentioned Jack Charlton and a couple of the other guys that would have been Liverpool players. I always ask guys what they thought of Paul McGrath because for me, I don't think I saw a player that was much better than him ever. Really, to be honest, what what standing did he have in the in the squad? Like I imagine you all were pretty much in awe of, of him, yeah? Yeah, everybody knew what Paul was. We knew um, the troubles he was having, the injuries he was having. But I don't know how he did it, really. When he went out on the football pitch, he was just unbelievable. It was it was amazing to see that you, you, you wouldn't see him that much during the week because he'd be stuck in his bed or he'd be just in the gym on his own doing whatever he had to do. But you definitely seen him on the pitch. It was against Italy in uh, in USA '94. Yeah. And he was just a, one of the biggest performances I've, I'd ever seen from a centre back. It was a Baggio. He didn't give Baggio a kick, and he was just unbelievable as a centre back. And but how he did it, I don't know. Um, he was just a, a naturally talented, big, good-natured, great lad. Um, I seen him last week in Ireland. I was over there playing a, a little game with uh, Ray Houghton and. Tony Cascarino, who was something to do with 88, and Paul was there, and he's looking great. He's looking really, really good. Needs new new knees, but um, what a what a collision! You know, Ron Yates was called the Colossus at Liverpool, and um, he was the Colossus for Ireland, big Paul. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I mean, just sort of to to wheel it around and back in towards Liverpool again. Like '88 is that tournament that we spoke of at the start of this little Ireland chat, and um, you know, it's at the end of a campaign where a league is won, and you know, it, it, I I'm telling you from from my perspective, it's one of the it's probably the best team I've ever seen. Enjoyed watching, and uh, you know, it was really interesting to get the contrast with with, with your take on that, but. The, the the year ends uh, that eighty eight campaign ends. Just go back into it for a minute with what should have been another double. Really, uh, uh, I've spoken to several lads at length about this bloody thing, the uh, the the Wimbledon defeat. But uh, again, that's probably one of the one of the less exciting moments of the season for you. Was 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 the was the the, the cup final at Wembley and all that I kind of thing. That the FA Cup situation. I think that's bored me on in the eighty eight Euros. Did it? Um, Kenny said I wasn't fit enough. Um, he had a meeting before the game and he said there can be no sentiment in football when you get to things like that. Once he said sentiment, I knew that's me. Because ah. I, I had the injury beforehand. Um, but you still think you're going to be sub and then I wasn't I wasn't sub. Jan and Craig Johnson was sub. But then it's just, you, oh, well, that's it. I've missed a, I've missed a, a cup final. But um, there's not much you can do about it. But um, we played against England for Alan Hansen's testimonial. Um, I think it was the Monday or the Tuesday after that. England getting the first game in before they went to 
away to it uh, to to Germany. And Kenny said, "You lead the team." Out. Alan was Alan was it was his testimony, so he was going. But Kenny told me to lead the team out. Um, it really didn't matter at that time, did it? But but I, in the game, I, I really took it serious. I scored, but I was get I was it was the Euros, the '88 to get to the Euros, and just just to show that I was fit enough that I probably could have played in the FA Cup final. Yeah, yeah, it's that's interesting, isn't it? That that was motivation. The, the next season, then after the, you come back from from Ireland's heroics in 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 the summer, um, your uh, Hansen that you met, Alan Hansen, as you mentioned, gets gets a bit of a knock, and 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 you're pretty much captain for the majority of that he season. He still blames that on me. <laughs> Does he? <laughs> we played we played a pre-season game, and it was a running track around the, around the, the pitch, and I was playing left back for some reason in the game. And I pushed forward, and there was a long ball played over my head, and Hansen had to come across. And as he come across to clear it, he overrun, overran onto the, the racing track, and there was a metal bar going around the, the side of the racing track, and he stood on that and has done his knee completely. So he was out for nearly all the season, but he blames that on me. But. Um, <laughs> To be fair, I'm glad I did it now because I got to lift the cup. <laughs> I was going to say that worked yeah. there quite nicely. I mean, yeah. it's it, it, and again, look, it's a testimony to the to the the standing of the club and the squad that you can lose a guy who is you know such a central character in that defence and and still have such a successful season. I mean, uh, and for yourself to be captain during it. Uh, again, it's it's a it's a hell of an emotional campaign uh, for so many obvious reasons, apart from the football uh, that you're involved in there. Uh, you know, it's there's there's a league a league title that that really should be won, bar the horrific Michael Thomas moment at the end. Uh, another so double. many doubles we could have got. Yeah. just yeah, it was another, um, we could have got four four doubles probably in the late eighties. It was just yeah. um, unbelievable. We stumbled on one of them, one of the two we we messed up on. It, it, it's quite the thing, though, to be. Uh, I've said it to a few of the lads that basically, if 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 you guys weren't winning, you were second. It was just that's just the way it was. Well, it, was it, just, a, it was a one. That, is that not a fact? In the eighties, we were we won it six times and we're runners up four times. Yep, exactly that. That's, um, exactly that's consistency. That. <laughs> yes, I think you can say that. Yeah. I think you can say that. I mean, like obviously, obviously that season is 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 notable for. For, for the, the, the tragic events around Hillsborough and, and, and the, and the aftermath of that. And I guess as club captain, um, you know, you're like all the, all the guys, of course, you know, were, were such a, a credit to the club in terms of, you know, trying to, trying to do what they, what, what you could for the local community. And it was a big ask for guys who have obviously no training and that kind of thing and, yeah. and, and can feel like, I think that's you, what we all found, Trev, that we, we didn't have training and counseling. But people felt it was nicer if we were there at the ground when the, the families were coming to the ground and we'd, we'd meet them. But you, you always felt, well, I always felt, I don't know how the rest of the players felt. I always felt a certain guilt, you know, that they're looking at you thinking my family or my brother, my sister, whatever, went to watch you playing football and now they haven't come back. And I, 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 I'm getting probably completely wrong, the whole thing, but you just feel... Because you don't know how to react to people, you don't know what to say, you don't know how to say it. It was um, it was difficult moments. Obviously, never as difficult as the people who who lost family or friends at the the thing. But it was just a, uh, it was awkward for uh, the players to be doing what they were doing because it wasn't it wasn't what they did. They played football and that was it. Yeah, yeah, uh, and. <laughs> 
you know, as you say, it's a heavy burden to be carrying. And uh, I've, you know, it's it's come up on a, on a few of these chats, but you know, to, just to, to focus on the football side of things, you know, it's it was so uh, fitting and poignant that the the final ended up being against Everton as as it did. And um, listen, you know. F- Let's let's be honest. That's a massive moment in the club's history. It's a massive moment. And if there was a trophy, and you know, I I I make no bones about this. It was if there was ever a trophy that sort of needed to be won, where there was kind of almost sort of a sense of expectancy, or or God, this it was so important to win that trophy, almost more so than any trophy in the club's history. There was so much bound up with it. And you know, you know, for yourself, pressure, pressure, Ronnie, and for yourself, I've never never felt the pressure of a. Yes, you feel pressure in a cup final or a league game or whatever, but this was one we had to win. We couldn't, we couldn't not win that game. That was, and, and Everton never made it easy for us at all. But um, it was just, it was so difficult knowing that this is, we can't let this go any other way. We had to win, and it was such a, such a relief once it was over that, that, that thank God that's out of the way now. We've done it. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, because of that burden that you felt to to do the right thing or to to achieve something for him or or mark mark the occasion. But listen, at the end of the day, there's this massively iconic image for a 15 year old Irish lad looking at you lifting that cup. Uh, you know, it, that's a big deal. That's a big deal, right huge there. Deal, huge deal for me. But and I always say to when I was a kid living in Dublin, I was up at I don't nine o'clock on a Saturday morning when it was cup final day, and then you watched it all day. Um, they used to do it's a knockout. They used to have um, helicopters with cameras. They used to have cameras on the bus. And I'd sit there all day. And then you'd wait till someone lifted that cup up at five o'clock that Saturday evening. But then for them um, to do it yourself and, and, and ahead of such great players that we had in the team at the time was a, it was the biggest thing in my career was, was lifting that FA Cup. And do you reckon it was just a case of, Lads being mentally shot by the time the 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 the, the Arsenal game comes around. Definitely, that's no, it. Just no other way. Mentally and physically shot. Um, it was just again after that game, I I, I was probably in the players' lounge. Might have been eight minutes after the final whistle. I just wanted to get out of there. I just that was the end of the season. We we'd been through so much. Um. We'd had so many games to play in so short a space of time before the Arsenal game. And even the people talk about Barnes with the ball in the corner. You know, if mentally, you don't know. If, if mentally, if, if he felt 100%, he would have kept it there. He would have kept it there for 10 minutes, Barnesy, and not let anybody get near him. But like everything else, you, you made the wrong decision at the wrong time. And then, um, we just no, we we didn't know what we wanted to do. We didn't know whether we wanted to attack and get another goal and make it completely out of the way, or or to hang on and and just let it everything be nice and easy and settle down. And we were we were caught. We just did not know where to go, and mentally we couldn't get ourselves out of it. Yeah, it, it, it was just a really odd position for for a team to be in. But I mean, any, like, other, the, any other any other time, it's magnificent. You know, you've only got to lose one nil at home, and 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 you, you win the league. Yeah. But if you hadn't had seven games in twelve days or something, and and the funerals to go to every every other week, or um, the the whole trauma of what happened at Hillsborough, and all it was just 
it all it all got on top of everybody that night. Yeah. But yeah. we won the FA Cup, which was the one we wanted, really. Which was like, as I say, as as important a trophy as the the club has ever won. And you know, again, what what an honour to be the man lifting it on the day. The the, the campaign that follows, Ronnie, is yet another league win. But here's the thing, that's the last one. You know. Isn't it? You know, and, 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 uh, you'll often, I guess, like me, look back to 1990 and think, okay, that, that's quite a while ago now. And, uh, to think that Liverpool Football Club hasn't had a league title in that time, it's, 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 it would have got a good price, wouldn't it, at that time? Good Lord. Liverpool I mean, not to have a league title from, what, 1990 to 2018. Like it makes no sense, does it? On, on, on several levels, it makes no sense to me at all. I, I, yeah, on other levels, I get, I see a lot of sense in it because Liverpool stopped buying good players. Mm, um, it's it. it's all about players. You, know, you can talk about formations every day of the week. To, to put Doug Lee, Sunes, Barnes, Beardsley, myself, others put put us in any position, we'll still we'll still do it and do a job for you. But then. More and more, not players not good enough to carry on to win league titles has happened ever since. Um, and there's been so many bad players gone through the club since 1990. Um, it, it's amazing. To, you, you could sit down and write a list as long as your arm all day. Um, it, it's about players, and they haven't. They haven't. Hopefully now they're starting to get more. They're looking with better players, but. Over the years, they haven't won the league because they haven't got the players. Well, we're not quite there yet, but do you do you reckon most of that bad recruitment started because um, he, he he gets the stick for it on on Graham Sunes's watch, or do you think it had started before, just before Kenny left, or what do you reckon? Um, I think it's it's right throughout. Um, Kenny signed players that weren't of a caliber that were going to win the league. Sui also, but then you go to Evo, then you go to um, Julia Benitez, and you, you keep going down the line. There was there wasn't there was too many bad players coming to the football club. Yeah, yeah. That 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 the season that, that follows the league, the the the, the last league when it's nineteen ninety one, and of course you know you're 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 a regular first team, you're you're doing you're doing your thing. But there's there's an injury in February ninety one. I'm just wondering that was against Everton. That was was that the, was that Kenny's last game? That one that you got injured in? No. That wasn't, no. I, no. I, I, I broke my leg against Everton and Anfield. Okay. Um, Peter Beagley. Peter Beagley's never kicked anybody in his life. Peter he was Beagley. running at me with the ball. And, and he, I know he's going to throw his leg over each way, each way, go that way, go that way. And I just, I, I, Ronnie Moran always said, just keep your eye on the ball. Don't look at his feet. About any player, just look at the ball. The ball, you know. So I just stood there. He threw his foot over back and forth about four times. I stood there, didn't move. And then he just, he run into me. Yeah, and caught me on the side, high up on me, on the outside of my right leg, and I just felt something go. And um, the physio come on, Phil Borsman, and <laughs> he got me up off the ground. So I tried to put weight on it, and I couldn't. And then the game, the whistle blew, and I tried to go again, and I just I had to sit down. And then they let me walk off the pitch with a broken leg. They couldn't even come on and lift me off. So um, Jesus, it was, it was just. Um, there was all, it was all going wrong then. I started getting lots of injuries then. And Suey was manager. 
I, I, yeah, I want to, I want to, I want to talk briefly through that because obviously I'd imagine you don't want to dwell on that too much. But before we do, just that's that's an interesting one right there that you just. This is a recurring theme that we've had come across in this in these chats. Paul Walsh was telling me a story about a about yeah, a, six weeks <laughs> with a lump of metal, mate. Yeah, yeah. Six weeks with a lump of metal. Yeah, uh, you know, so I've, I've 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 heard Paul Walsh's story. I've, I've you know, even Johnny Work was telling me similar. Like he he disappeared off out of training, and you know they thought, look, sure, come back and train. And you know when he came back, he was in the cast. It, it, was, it was almost as if what was it as haphazard as it's as it as it oh. seems to have been. Like is it well, just? I remember when Walkie broke his leg at Anfield, and he's he's sort of down injured in the opposition six yard box or something around there. And um ball was crossed and, and we scored or something, but Walkie Walkie was given offside and Kenny was screaming at him, Why didn't you crawl off? <laughs> <laughs> He's got a broken leg, He's lying on the ground and he wants him to crawl off the pitch. But that's the way it was, just uh, get on with it. There's nothing wrong with your broken leg, no, just walk off. <laughs> I, um, I I um I was had trouble in and it was, I was like, my Achilles, my heel was bad. And um, in the end, I just couldn't do it. It was just so sore all the time. So I had to go for a, a, an X-ray and there was nothing on it. And they said, let's do a bone scan. You know, the way they put the dye into you and the blood goes through. And if there's a fracture, it'll show up as a hot spot on the on the, um, on the the graph thing they do. But it was, uh, so I went and had it done. Went, they put the, the, um, the iodine or whatever they put in through your, your veins. And then I went off and had a cup of coffee and come back a couple of hours later. And they, they said, okay, you have a fracture in your heel and you've also got three broken toes that are, that are mending as well. But yeah, and you look back and think, well, that, that was, that's what we did. You know, they just said, well, if you've got a broken toe, strap it to the other one and, and you'll be all right. You so hang, on, hang on, hang on. You had a, a fractured heel and a couple of broken toes. That's right. Really- Broken Three toes broken toes and the fracture in my heel, so it was it was no wonder my heel was sore. I didn't know I didn't know what I thought was my Achilles. Ronnie, that's incredible. I mean, and that's 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 every one of the players will probably tell you the same thing. That's that's what that's what happened. It's just the way it was. You know, you accept it as well. And I suppose they're right now not to accept it. If if you've got a broken toe, you don't just strap it to the next one and go out and play. But um, that's. It was part and parcel of what you did back then. But I guess there are a lot of guys of your generation who are kind of suffering now because of lack of care yeah, at the time. Yeah, you will, you, know? you will. You will get a lot of that. Yeah, people. I don't know whether it's hips and ankles and knees and. But that that's that's anybody, isn't it? Hips and ankles and old age, basically. Well, yeah, I guess there's an awful lot, an awful lot, a lot of people uh, going around with, with dodgy hips and ankles who yeah. didn't have the the joy and 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 yeah, athletic true, success yeah. that you did. And then I again, mean, you didn't want to not play because you wouldn't have got back in the team. So. Yeah, well, that's and I mean, as you say, that that kicked off a succession of seasons there, where you know, considering how you know, uh, you know, as I said, that, that phrase ever present, how how much of a part of things you had been, it must have been massively frustrating. Like from basically ninety one, ninety two onwards to the end of your 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 time there is, it's. It's bits and pieces, isn't it? You know, yeah, that, it's, that was that was a big disappointment, but not as big a disappointment as it was that after I won the European Cup in '94 or '84, sorry, played high school '85. I never played in Europe again after that. Never yeah. from '85 till I left in '94. For yeah. nine years, I hadn't played in Europe. That was the biggest disappointment of my career. Was that all those years of the teams we had, 
that we never got to play in I never got to play in Europe again. Yeah, and those teams, as you say, like some of them so good. Like that 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 late eighties team, there's definitely a couple of European cups in them. It's yeah. You would have yeah. thought so. Milan didn't win every one of them, did they? No, the yeah. Milan were, were the best team, but they weren't winning the Champions League every year or the European uh, Cup. And they also so, didn't uh, have. We would have had a, We would have had a good chance. I, I felt to win a, a couple more, which would have been lovely. Yeah, they 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 didn't have, they didn't have to come up against you guys. Uh, they didn't have to come up against that that uh, eighty seven, eighty eight, all the way through to ninety side. So, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, like as you say, it's as we say, it's bits and pieces. Uh, and and you know what's really interesting is that for most of the lads I talk to, the departing from the club is less than. Uh, smooth i'd say uh, an awful lot of lads have have financial wrangles other lads are are upset that you know uh, it's coming to an end so suddenly other lads are just sort of trying to angle for a better deal uh try to get the right move for them because things were different in terms of of, of the financial rewards you, the the end for you was at the end of 93 94 um you know roy evans is manager there and it's Basically, is is there a contract there for you or not? And you know, can you talk me through that your experience of that? Of, of well, there of, was of, a contract for me, so yeah. I, I, that wasn't the thing. It was there was a contract there, and I I wanted because I'd been there fifteen years. I thought, well, I'm coming to an age. Give me two years. Um, it takes me up to pensionable age, which was what they did. I said, so I said, so just give me two years and I'll sign it, and then that'll be. And then I went, okay, I'll go and I'll go and see the board. Ever went and saw the board and he said that they're not going to give you two years. And I went, well, well, I'll just see what I have to do then. And I come back in, and what, I don't know, a few days later and I said to Evo, okay, I'll, I'll sign that one year now. And Evo went off and he said, I'll go, okay, I'll go speak to the board. I'll come back, tell you tomorrow. I went in training the next day and Evo went, the contract's been withdrawn. That's, that's you finished. He didn't say that ever, but I'm just thinking that's the way, that's just the way it was. He said, there's no contract. And I went, so that's it. And he went, yeah. And then I just had to get in my car and drive away from, from Melwood. And there's 15 years gone and funny way to go, really. That makes literally no sense to me though, Ronnie. That, like, you know, a club that's so, uh, famed for, you know, sort of doing things the right way that, that it could be, but it's every club trip. I, I look back and, and I feel bitter about how it ended. Sure. Um, but it's happened to many other players. You know, Phil Neal was there for them, I don't know, forever. Um, a man who played 414 games on the trough for Liverpool, but he, when his time was up, he was, he was let go. He was disappointed about it. Other players had the same thing. Um, it should, it the that won the European Cup in '81, Ray Kennedy, Jimmy Case, they were told, you know, no longer needed. Younger lads are coming in, but you know, it, it, it's it's disappointing how it happens, but it's you understand what's that's what they do. You know, you read Joe Fagan's book or Shankly's book, and they, they the, the worst they felt was telling people that it's time for them to move on now, like St John and Yates and all these people who moved on. They were just it's. It's the it's the bad side of football. You you, but the if if the club will say, well, we paid you well for fifteen years. You know what more can we do for you? But it's just it's just funny when it's over, like in a in a heartbeat, it's it's gone. And then I did I did honestly drive home towards Southport where I, where 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 I'm still living, and did stop on the way back. And then I had a little um, 
a little cry to myself, just thinking back on 15 years and how it's all just ended so quickly. Yeah, I mean, it just feels shabby, you know. It just feels shabby for a guy who's con- contributed so much, so many trophies, so many medals. It's just, yeah, it's hard It's hard to get your head around that. John Aldridge told a similar story about the one-year and the two-year thing and mm. it did a bit of wrangling and sort of made some sort of a deal. What what, what was your re- response when you kind of gathered yourself? I, I presume there was a lot of anger, but what did you do in terms of, well, you know, you, you've, you've got a family you've got to look after. What, 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 was, your, what was your move? Um, you know what you do? And I think most professional footballers do. They sit down and they go, somebody will phone me. I'll wait, somebody will give me a ring next week. I'll get a ring tomorrow. But the phone doesn't ring. You know, it, it was, um, you, you foolishly think that people will ring you up and offer you any job or give you a job or want you to do something. Yeah. But it doesn't happen that way. And then you've got to go looking. I, I had to go looking. And I ended up at South End. Peter Taylor was manager. So that was that was then um the following season I became player manager at South End. So a new a new career was sort of uh setting into place then. So that was that was going into management and things like that. And and of course you've done you, you know you have, you have various experiences with this but what most people are, are with, with management what most people are sort of familiar with, with with you for now at the moment is contributing in in the various media uh, outlets and talking about the game and if you wouldn't mind I'd like to sort of uh, pick your brains just before we let you go and go back to your night in terms of how you feel the current setup is at Liverpool I mean uh, you you've talked there earlier on about you know the buying of players and the purchasing of players and all that kind of thing. Do you think there's a slow tide starting to turn under Jurgen Klopp? Is there something that you can see there, or am I being a bit romantic in my assessment? Because no, I'm hoping. I'm, I'm with you, Trev, on this one. I think there's something happening, and, and even now, when you you see the likes of Man City, Man United, with the amount of financial clout they have, but you are starting to see players and who you're looking at and thinking they're half decent, but they're saying I want to go to Liverpool. I see things happening at Liverpool. Um, I'm, but Man City have all the money, and and it's difficult to catch Man City because of the amount of money they have. It's going to take a good, very good team to catch them to win the league. Um, but I see things happening at Liverpool. Um, you're seeing better players coming in. Better players are being signed and have been over the years. You know, you, you go out and get Salah, you, Firmino, Coutinho goes for 140 million. Um, Van Dijk's come in and seems to have settled everybody down at the back. So you, you, you're going in the right, I feel they're going in the right direction. I, I don't think they're, they're there to Man City or Barcelona or Real Madrid at this moment in time. But if they can keep building on it and keep getting better players in, maybe in a couple of years time, we, we're back up there with the elite and we're playing in Champions League semi-finals and quarter-finals and playing in FA Cup finals and chasing to win the league. It'd be nice to have all them back again. Would you, if you mentioned you mentioned odds earlier on, if you were in, inclined towards gambling, would you would you risk a, an evening of TV punditry appearance money on a on a European Cup win this year, or do you think that's way off? I don't know. I don't. This I don't think is way off. Yeah. Um, I I see Liverpool playing against Man City. They ripped Man City apart, didn't they? Four one up. You just look so much better than Man City at that stage. Man City came back into the game like later on, but. Um, I see Liverpool doing that to a lot of teams. And now with Van Dijk to calm down people at the back, 
if they go forward and they're getting three or four goals in 20 minutes, they did this with Sturridge, Suarez and, and, and Sterling and Gerrard one year, where they could, they got 4-0 up against Arsenal in 20 minutes at Anfield. And you're thinking, this is magnificent to see a team do this. But this team does it and does it more regular. So I just, I, I think, and, and we keep reading about it, nobody wants to get Liverpool in the quarterfinal. Everybody's yeah. frightened of Liverpool at the moment. That hasn't been said for an awful long time. Yeah. Uh, very true. The days you were there, that's it. Um, I wouldn't not put my money on it. As an outside bet, it wouldldn't be a bad bet. Do you know what? That kind of qualified optimism I will take as a good ending point for this. And that okay. is where we leave it for a, another double episode of the interview. Ronnie, before we let you go back to your evening, I just I genuinely want to say thanks very much for speaking to us on AI Pro. I know it means a great deal to the listeners to hear the thoughts and tales of someone who is a, a genuine legend of, of LFC. And from a personal point of view, I have to admit to you, man, I was nervous about this in a way. I've never been. I've been doing this for years because, you know, it was just a real treat to speak to a man who was at the centre of like basically my happiest days as a Red supporter and an Irish football fan uh, and again I do have to pull you up on the fact that I think I've still tweaked something from trying to recreate that Russia goal but fair play again <laughs> once again thank you very much for your time Ronnie. Trev it's been a pleasure thanks very much everyone really enjoyed it you're a gent and thanks to you listeners whether subscribers or trialists you'll know at this stage after listening to that chat with Ronnie that an AI Pro subscription is the kind of treat that you deserve especially you I'll be back next month with another fantastic guest on the interview and in the interim look out for your fellow Reds and stay safe out there Network.